All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Sports Ethos Celtics podcast. I am your host, as usual, Patrick Lounsbury, here with my co-host, Lucas Gaynor. After a big win against the Nets, game two, Celtics go up 2-0 after coming back from a 17-point deficit. How are we feeling today, Lucas? How are the vibes on this Friday? You know, it's Earth Day, so let's shout out to, you know, the world in that aspect. But, man, how are you feeling about this series going? Listen, the sun is shining. Like you said, it's Earth Day. The Celtics are up 2-0. Rob Williams is playing in game three. Pat, I feel absolutely phenomenal, honestly. Minus these allergies, but besides that, I feel absolutely terrific. I, I, I would, uh, and you can maybe disagree, but I think this might be the peak of happiness as a Celtics fan all season. And we've had some pretty high moments this year, but I think this one definitely is, we're at a climax right now, right? We want this to keep climbing and going up, but like hearing Rob Williams is coming back and Celtics are up 2-0 and people were doubting us and this how the season has been to this point. We're, we're probably as high as we can get right now. Oh, definitely. This is the high point for me. And I think at this point, you know, the farther we go in the playoffs, you know, that's going to be continually the best moment of the season because, you know, it's been a little while since we've made a kind of a deep playoff run. You know, we kind of got used to it, you know, in the mid 2010s, you know, with Jalen's early or Jalen's beginning of his career, the beginning of Jason's career. But, uh, you know, it looks like we're going to be back, but I think we shouldn't get too far ahead of ourselves here. You know, it is only two games. And this game three, I think, I said this earlier, I think is going to be treated kind of like a game seven. Like the Celtics are going to try and, you know, put their foot in the throat and go up 3-0 and essentially end the series if we're looking at history. And I think the Nets are going to be trying like heck to uh, not go down 3-0. So I think the intensity is going to be crazy. The Celtics no longer have home court. Uh, You know, KD maybe has a chance to look at some game film. So as good as I feel, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. You feel me, Pat? Yeah, absolutely. And and let's dive into some of that game two action that we saw. We saw a Celtics team that really struggled to find their shot early on, especially in that first half. Didn't see a, a lot of makes go down. But on the other side of things, you know, the defense was was good enough. It just kind of seemed like the Nets stayed within that 10 to 14 point range away from us ever since the get-go, right? You know, we had Bruce Brown come out on a 9-0 heater and just torches for three threes right off the rip. And you're just going, man, it did not start out great for us. I was like, man, these role players are the ones going off. I thought, you know, KD came out, went 9-0 on us. I'm like, all right, cool. He's not going to be perfect all game. We can we can rally past this. But to see the role players kind of get going and for Drogic to hit as many shots as he hit in this one as well, and back-to-back games on the road, I'm just hoping that Steve Nash doesn't realize that maybe it might be in their best interest to start Drogic next to Irving because I think the the offense of side of the ball that they're really good at seems to flow a lot better and more efficiently. Um, but what were your kind of thoughts um, in the first half of this game? So honestly, as far as Drogic goes here, um, I would agree with you. I mean, I think the more minutes that Drogic plays, you know, is the better for the Nets because – Although he's not necessarily uh, as good as a player potentially as Seth Curry or, um, you know, as uh, Patty Mills, maybe, depending on who you ask. But he is a better isolation scorer, I would say, than those guys. And that's kind of how their offense is going at the time. Like, you know, get him matched up on Tice. We've seen it multiple times over the years since he was on Miami in the bubble um, and now in this series. So, you know, the more minutes that Drogic plays, I think uh, – 
I think that's better for the Nets. So I wonder if Steve Nash adjusts with that. Um, but as far as the entire first first half goes, yeah, the Celtics kept it within ten. I mean, you know, they kept almost getting it under to under double digits, but the Nets just you know kept them at bay. Yeah, you know, uh, Goran Dragic and Bruce Brown outscored Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown thirty to fourteen in the first half. That is just ridiculous. And that's with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown waking up and scoring-wise a little bit late in that third quarter or in that second quarter right before halftime where they kind of hit some shots. And I was like, okay. It was good to see him hit those shots going in the half so they could build on it in that second half and get over the, the early slump. But uh, it, it was just kind of crazy because earlier in the year, during like the dark days, Ime Adoga was very – and different with his rotations, right? He was really stubborn on the way he handled it. There was moments where it seemed like he refer- refused to even play Grant Williams or even Peyton Pritchard to, in, in late game situations. You remember that time where we would have like, we'd be up 15 and there's like two minutes left and the starters don't leave until like 50 seconds because of that. They had those blown leads and stuff. So um, I thought tonight was a good example of, of, Udoka also having more trust in the younger guys and the depth in the in the bench, as seeing as we we see in the fourth quarter with what Peyton Pritchard was able to do. So I just wanted to also just see the growth in, in our coach. You know, the growth he the way he was poised and and let the these guys really earn roles throughout the season. I think him being tough on them earlier going, you know, kind of branded them for this. And now we see a team that we're way deeper than most people would have even thought. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, Ime has, you know, like you said, given these guys chances to grow into their opportunities. And I think Peyton, which we'll get to that in the second half here, has been a huge beneficiary of that. Uh, but Pat, one of the most important little stretches in the first half was, you know, I would say the last five minutes of the, of the second quarter, right, of the first half. Oh, Grant Williams, yes. Yeah, so the Nets – you know, they were playing pretty well, scoring the ball well. You know, they played with good intensity in the first half of the Nets. I mean, the whole game, really. I got to give it to them. They came out playing harder. I'll give them that. But they extended the lead, of course, to 17. And, Pat, it was looking a little scary there. I mean, I texted you at halftime. You said you weren't worried. But I think if we if the Celtics don't win those last two minutes, you know, two and a half minutes, they don't cut it down to 10, I think, you know, it could have been a lot worse for the Celtics. Would have been a much bigger hill to come back. You know, if Grant doesn't make the sh- – make the, I think Grant – you said Grant Grant made a three, right? Uh, he made two threes, yeah. He made two threes. Two yeah. yeah. Grant was actually perfect in this game. You know, I don't think he missed a shot. So, yeah, he, he was flawless in this game. Yeah. Um, more so also on the defensive side of things. But, no, I agree. Like, when you were texting me, I, I, I told you, though. Like, I, I had no panic in me yet. Like, and you know, like, no, most of the time I respond, I'm like, yeah, man, it doesn't look good. Man, this looks I, – I comment on some sort. But I was pretty short and brief. I was just like – I'm not worried. Like I, I feel like I had an idea of where the game was headed, and I just thought Drogic and Bruce Brown weren't going to be able to pull a whole game with the way that they were playing. And I liked what we were seeing defensively on Kyrie and Katie. Also, you know, a lot of pl- people out there in, in the sports world are are going to give more credit to the Nets just struggling and KD's just not finding his rhythm and KD that. 
but kudos to uh, the Celtics defense and the game plan for Kevin Durant. When you watch Kevin Durant take jumpers in this series, you're going to notice two to three guys contesting a shot, not one. You're going to notice when KD is in motion going towards the basketball, he's trying to run through two, three bodies. Like People are putting their shoulders out, putting their arms out, and like... You know, some people may say that's not basketball. You know that you know it's playoff basketball. They allow more contact, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the whistle plays out in Brooklyn. Now that we're not at home, uh, maybe they they're going to call a little bit more of the the tic tac stuff. But I thought Ime has a good game plan of just putting a body on guys, even when they're in motion or anything. They don't even have to have a ball. Make them feel you. And I think that's a big credit to what the Celtics had had success. Uh, also with KD struggling, uh, I don't think it's just KD struggling. Like they're they're going to live with it. Cool. You want to call fouls on us? Go get you know eighteen of your points from the free throw line. That's fine. But you're shooting terribly from the field. You shot zero of ten from the field in the second half, Kevin Durant. Like Kyrie Irving shot one of seven. So when your two superstars are going to combine for such a bad you know second half like that, one of seventeen. Irving and Durant shot in the second half. I'm cool with taking those fouls, you know? And I think the the Celtics are doing a great job scheme-wise, and I'm interested to see what the Nets do to try to adjust if they can. Yeah, like Ime said, they can't call every foul. And I think we're definitely seeing that play out. Celtics being very physical, like you said, multiple bodies coming at KD every time. And KD is not your – he is not a player who loves to run the pick and roll. You know, he's obviously, you know, what his strength is, is a, I'm going to get myself a shot because I'm bigger than you and I'm an unreal shooter. Um, you know, and with the Celtics sending so much attention at him, forcing him to put the ball on the ground, you know, causing turnovers, you're really seeing him struggle. And yes, bro, he's getting lit up on, on the internet, on Twitter. And I think it's a tad unfairly because, you know, the Celtics defense is really causing it. It's not that he's just playing terribly. Now, he isn't playing well, of course, but I think it's because of, like you said, how good the Celtics' defense has been. Give them their flowers instead of just trying to tear down KD. Now, with that being said, there's no way we don't get a bounce-back KD game. In game three, game four, it's coming, okay? And if it doesn't come, then, you know, I'm sorry, Ime Udoka, you have the greatest defense of all time. But it's Kevin Durant here. I'm sure he bounces back in one of these two games in Brooklyn. And if not, for the reason you said, Pat, the whistle's going to be different. It, it just is. Like, say, say Pat, they're calling a bunch of ticky-tack fouls off the ball when Katie's coming off screens and such. And then Ime goes into halftime and kind of has to switch up the game plan a little bit. And Durant goes crazy. I could see that happening. But, uh, you know, if it doesn't, I think the Celtics probably win in four games. Yeah, and, and I want to, you know, touch on that a little bit more is – Kevin Durant, those last two games is this is historically has been his worst back to back games ever. Like he normally averages over thirty points. I think it was like thirty three points a game after a loss in the playoffs. So him like responding and struggling again, man, it's it's just tough. It's tough to see where he he starts having this big game because he's always gonna he's shooting contested shots with two to three people in his face. About eight out of his ten shots, every eight of every ten shots he takes, there's like two to three guys contesting it. So that's just difficult for anybody. Yeah, he can have a, a big game still in the box score, but that's going to be coming from the free throw line um, majority of the days. I, I just don't see where 
this defense lets up on them. And then you're also talking about now factoring in Robert Williams is on the horizon of coming back for limited, you know, anywhere from like 12 to 20 minutes in some fashion. It's, it's like this defense gets better. Like, <laughs> So the Celtics are getting better defensively and you're expecting, you know, I don't know. Katie's going to have a really hard time. His work's going to be cut out for him for sure. Like, do you think he has a game? Like, I think he has a game where he's probably going to shoot, you know, mid forties instead of in the twenty. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I think for the Nets, I think what they what you expect from Katie is like a game or two, like of him shooting over fifty, right? Like even three to four games in a series, you would expect that from him. I just don't. I don't see that happening for him in a, in a series against Boston. It's not, and that's the difference, man. That's the difference when you run it. into a team that's the number one defense. And that was always my thing with this series was. People tell me you're crazy. Kevin Durant is amazing. Kyrie Irving is amazing. Yeah, okay, I'll never, I'll never shy away from that being true. But the Nets don't have a good defense, and and we do. And the Nets are busting their butt on defense a lot of the time. Truthfully, they just don't have the personnel like the Celtics. They don't have the scheme like the Celtics. It's just that's the big difference I think between these two teams. Because you see Jalen and Jason be able to step up and score in big moments. Um, frankly, the Kevin. Kevin Durant have not in the series. So if Jason and Jalen can do that, no, please don't take that and run. I'm not saying they're better. Okay, but in the series, they've been able to score moments in which Kevin Durant has not. So if that's true, you know, when you factor in the defense, you factor in Robert Williams coming back, who's going to alleviate our offensive rebound problems? We've been giving up, you know, 13 second chance points a game. Uh, you know, I hate giving up offensive rebounds, but, uh, I think Rob's going to help that, and it's going to be really good going forward here for the Celtics. And uh, we can get into the second half, though, because Pritchard, man. Yeah, the second half was crazy. Celtics fell behind as much as 17 points as we talked earlier on. And and then we saw this team rally, right? They didn't didn't let that take them out. Um, I thought they they played with a lot of good poise in the second half. They started getting rolling. They played with the punches, man. They, They kept fighting. It seemed like Every time we went on like a little bit of a run, the Nets kept answering with another couple buckets themselves. We go on a run, couple buckets themselves, and keep extending it back to that ten point area. Eventually, we were able to squeeze it and keep squeezing it until it was closer. And the Celtics were able to to capitalize down the line here. And I think the wheels really fell off for the Nets. And again, I'm going to go back to the Celtics defense, right? So we play such a big physical defense that. You're, these guys are, are getting worn out. So Kevin Durant and Kyrie were playing 40-plus minutes because they were at the end of the year because they were trying to fight for seeding. They had to fight. They were playing high minutes. And then they go into a series against the number one defense that plays really physical, like the Celtics, and you're getting bullied around, pushed around, using up even more energy just to even like get going, get to your spots or even your sets. And you're, you're seeing – them wear out over the game, right? We're watching this team, and you're talking about the Celtics team that wasn't good in the fourth quarter. It's totally flipped the script. This this team is nothing what we saw in the regular season in the fourth quarter. And that's something we also got to give praise to is this, that we're closing out games now. They're, they're coming out. I think Jalen Brown was phenomenal, but I also wanted to point out something again, right? So we want to look at, at something that was very important in this game. How about Jason Tatum, who struggled with a shot, right? Not a great game. Didn't shoot great from the field. Was pretty much non-existent, almost like a non-factor when it came to scoring. But he finished with 10 assists. And 
He had 19 and 10, six rebounds on five of 16 shooting. Five of 16 shooting is not great for him, but that's okay. Jalen Brown ended up taking more shots in this game because you know what? Jason Tatum realized that he got everybody else involved. Jason Tatum also had eight assists in game one. That means he's averaging nine assists a game right now in this series. That is something that we would have dreamed about playmaking wise for Jason Tatum going into this year and seeing him do that in big, meaningful games shows something as far as his playmaking and his decision-making as a number one option. Yeah, he's giving us 10 assists in a playoff game like it's nothing. And uh, like you said, that's something we would have dreamed about a couple of years ago. I mean, like you said, 5 for 16 is not great. He wasn't a, a factor scoring the ball. I mean, he had a couple huge buckets at the end of the game. Like the pull-up three was just crazy. That's erupted the garden. Oh, that was that was the nail. I think that was the nail. I mean, the place just went crazy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the thing about Jason is that uh, – He's been this way. He's not just a score. He impacts the game positively in almost all in all facets of the game, really. Rebounding, he had a couple of big rebounds in this game. Um, you know, like we said, double-digit assists. He's creating for others. He's playing elite defense. And uh, it just, I mean, listen, Jason is truly, our, he's one of the best two-way superstars in the NBA, if not the best two-way superstar in the NBA. I'm comfortable saying that. And uh, like you said, Jalen, too, I mean, once again, in the fourth quarter, Celtics struggled during the regular season in the playoffs so far, have stepped up mightily. Honestly, you absolutely love to see that. So, uh, yeah, the Celtics, so what was about what? Nine minutes left, they were down by eight. And, uh, yep, five minutes later, they were up seven. And, you know, a big reason for that is our guy, Peyton Pritchard. Pat, what was it like seeing Peyton succeed so mightily after months of him being out of the rotation and you and clamoring for him to get more minutes. And then the Portland game happens and his role keeps growing and growing to see him do what he did in this playoff game. Pat, what was that like for you? You know, the most interesting part about Peyton Pritchard that I thought in this game was he was impactful and he hit zero threes. That to me is crazy. If you told me that Paint Pritchard is going to make a big impact in this game, but make zero threes, I would have been like, huh? He had one assist, huh? You know, he came in there and he just made really good decisions and hit big time shots and got, I mean, he exploited the the thing that the reason I thought we'd beat the Nets so easily was they have no defense. Interior defense is lacking. Also, how how do you feel about Peyton Pritchard saucing up on Kyrie Irving to take that lead and then never giving it up? He did a nice little in and out crossover move and did a step back right in Kyrie's face and made Kyrie a little stumble a little bit. Man, uh, Peyton Pritchard. Kudos to him. He played even more minutes than Derek White, which was really shocking. He had 16. Derek White only played 13. But Ime went ahead and, and trusted him and, and went with Payne Pritchard. You had Payne Pritchard and Grant William off the bench, 17 points and 10 points. That's And then you have Derek White chip in three. That's a total of 30 points from your bench, man. You can't ask for more from three guys coming off the bench. I was just super happy to see uh, Payne Pritchard get some shine. Yeah, man, honestly – Peyton uh, started, you know, I think he uh, got scored on after Ime subbed him in, and then he had that little turnover where he tried to force the ball to Jason, and it went out of bounds. And I said to myself, I was like, I don't know. that's not." A, I was like, maybe Ime should just pull him, bring Marcus or Derek in. 
But uh, subsequently, I was followed with seven offensive possessions of wonder from Peyton Pritchard. I mean, he was he was like setting up the offense, you know, getting guys, you know, the ball in spots to succeed. He was obviously cooking off the dribble because we know that's what he does. I mean, Pat, that step back on Claxton. I mean, dude, he had guy dancing out there in the paint. So uh, that was a huge move from Peyton. But uh, yeah, it was just glorious to see you know him succeed like that because I don't know if that's something I necessarily. Like it's that's kind of was I don't believe it till I see it, you know. Like, uh, like he really helped carry us down the fourth quarter of a playoff game against Kyrie Irving. Like, I, I don't think that was in our wildest dreams for Peyton Pritchard, uh, you know, on draft night at least. Yeah, and I also thought that Jalen Brown had a pretty big fourth quarter as well. Like he hit another big three pointer. We talked about Jason Tatum's impact as well. Um, overall, they. they they played as a team down the stretch and everybody was kind of piling it on and playing within the flow of things. And the subs were able to bring it home. Also really loved the, the Marcus smart um, last second uh, left-handed uh, bank shot that he had. Oh, then <laughs> then Jalen Brown looked at his hand with them. That was the most ridiculous shot I've maybe ever seen. Dude. The lefty half hook over three defenders off the glass and in, in a high leverage situation. Dude, that's uh, that was an unreal shot. I couldn't believe what I was watching when that ball went through the net. I think that's when you knew it was our night, right? Like you just saw that shot, and you're like, "Yeah, tonight's our night." Like they weren't going to win this game. Yeah, hundred percent. Jalen actually um, was asked when he what he uh, saw in Marcus Smart's hand. Did you do you hear what he said? Oh, that's funny. No, I did. He said, "I don't know. That was a play. I I taught Marcus everything he knows. He may be defensive player of the year, but he got that from me." <laughs> Oh, I love these guys, man. The vibes are just immaculate. You can tell these guys are so close. The chemistry is real on and off the court. I mean, you know, kind of to bring it back to something you said at the beginning of the show, Pat, this is not only the happiest I've been this year with the Celtics, but this is the happiest I've been in a long time, man. Because there have been teams over the past decade where, you know, the love for them was there, but maybe the talent and championship, you know, level ceiling was not there, right? Championship aspirations, man. This team really has that that vibe to them. And then, you know, like we talked about earlier, we got uh, to look forward to possibly Robert Williams rejoining the team. Um, he has done some five-on-five five workouts without pain, so they are expecting him to possibly return in game three in a limited role, looking no more than 20 minutes, but somewhere in that you know, probably 10 to 15 range, I'm probably guessing, is where Robert Williams will be. I think they're going to take it easy on him. I don't think they necessarily even need him, you know, but uh, Robert Williams will be traveling with the team. He is in Brooklyn. Uh, he has been progressing well, and Saturday will mark three and a half weeks since uh, his surgery. Yeah, and honestly, we might not need him, but uh, I can definitely tell you that I personally think it's good to get him a little bit of playing time, to get himself back in shape, back in game speed, you know, all that stuff before the second round. So we don't have to spend a couple games doing that in our second round series. So even if it's only 15 minutes a game in this first round, uh, I still think that's beneficial for the long run. Yeah, plus it never hurts bringing a, a player who was second in blocks per game and third in offensive rebounds per game in the entire NBA. You know, that's never going to hurt when it when it comes to the Celtics that are already rolling. So uh, just going to be looking on that lookout. Then we also heard some news about Ben Simmons uh, looking to return in game four. 
I know Lucas and I have briefly touched on it, but we didn't really touch on it much until like the reports really started to flow in now. Um, with that report flowing in, uh, how are you feeling about the Ben Simmons situation? Well, I think it's good for the Sixers in that it gives them another defensive body. He's six foot ten. He's obviously um, Nets. Nets, not the Sixers. Jesus, I went back to twenty. Pat, um, unbelievable. Um, <laughs> uh, so it gives the Nets another body. He's six foot ten. Okay, he's not Seth Curry on defense. He's not Patty Mills. You know, he's not Goran Dragic. It's just another big body that they can throw at Tatum, throw at Brown. You know, he can bring the ball up potentially. You know, maybe get KD into some you know better situations by not having to have the ball in his hands. But the thing. But the thing is for me, Pat, it's really hard to not touch a basketball court, let alone an NBA basketball court, for 14 months and go back in a very high leverage game, you know, a potential elimination game, and expect somebody to perform well. So while I do think it's a slight, it's like has potential benefits for the uh, for the Nets, not the Sixers, um, you know, I don't know how much you can really expect from Ben Simmons. Yeah, and we've talked a lot about this off camera, but um, I've personally don't think that Simmons is even a, a, a bonus for the Nets. I think he's a negative asset at this point. You know, bringing a guy in who has had his injury history, his mental health history, and you throw him into a series with the pressure that what if they're down three zero? You know, like you're throwing him out there to Wolves, right? You're, it's not like he's going against like uh, mediocre defense or anything like that. He's going to be going against a team that's playing really physical right now. So he's going to get pushed to extreme limits. He's not going to even – it's more of like, yeah, he's going to be at an NBA pace, but now he's about to be at an NBA playoff pace, but now he's going to be at an NBA playoff pace with the number one defense that just so happens to be super aggressive and just will bully you. So it wouldn't shock me. If when he if he ends up stepping onto the court that they attack him, um, he may not be the most obvious person to attack every time on the defensive side of the ball when they have guys in like Kyrie and and Seth Curry. But if there's moments that they feel like Ben Simmons is is just there, like I I don't I'm confident with Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, go ahead and putting pressure on Ben Simmons as a defender and seeing what he's capable of after taking such a long absence away from basketball. Because I just don't see it being a smart decision on the Nets to try to do that. And then what does he give you offensively besides the the possibility of playmaking? Uh, he's going to allow us to have two guys closer to Durant all the time now. Because now you get to hedge off of Ben Simmons way more than you get to hedge off of Seth Curry. Way more you get to hedge off of uh, Bruce Brown. So he's a guy that you can hedge off of extremely far because you have no threat there. Um, as a shooter. So it, it's like he, he's a good passer, but he clogs up things because he's no threat on the perimeter. So it'll be interesting to see what the Nets decide to do in that aspect. I say bring it on. I want him out there. So all the people that are saying Ben Simmons is coming back, this is over, the series is over, um, the Nets are going to come back and win in seven or six. You know, let's – all right, cool. Let, let Ben Simmons come back because I want to be – I want to beat this team at full strength and, and prove people wrong. Yeah, I think the only place where we disagree is saying bring it on. I mean, 
I think I would just rather him not play if I'm a Celtics fan, but if he plays, so be it. I don't think he's going to make a huge impact. So we're on the we're on the same front there, at least. You know, like I don't think he's making no big impact. I mean, it's just impossible to after 14 months on the court. And say Ben Simmons comes out here and hits multiple threes, Pat, I'll just be laughing at my TV. I'll just be like, what are we watching here? So, you know, there's always the possibility of the impossible happening in Ben Simmons making some threes. Can you imagine, seriously, if, if we go up 3-0 and Ben Simmons comes back and he has like a jumper? I will lose my shit. But I did say Celtics <laughs> in five, so let him hit that jumper and they can win one game and then uh, we take it back home and win. And I would love to close it out in Boston, actually, on that note. Like, I, obviously, a sweep is the best-case scenario, but I'm not super upset if the, if the Nets take one of the two games uh, in Brooklyn so we can finish the job in front of the fans in Boston. Absolutely. And, and going into to Saturday's matchup against the Nets again, uh, what are some key things that you're going to be looking for now that we are on the road? Um, what are you expecting from this Celtics team? And what are you expecting from the Nets team overall? I mean, I'm expecting more of the same from the Celtics team. I think Ime has the Celtics coach mentally tough. Like you said earlier in the show, he was hard on them all season. And it's kind of molded them for this moment. So I'm expecting more of the same. I am expecting the Nets to be a little better because the garden is rocking. Like that's got to have a negative effect on the Nets players. So to have the fans at their back, they'll be a little bit better. Like you mentioned earlier in the show, the Nets are going to have, you know, probably a better whistle here at their home arena. That's just how it works. Uh, so the, that's probably – but I would just say more of the same for the most part. I would say home court is a really big factor specifically in this series just because of how loud, you know, the Celtics fans are against Kyrie in particular. You know, he only had 10 points last game. Marcus and the fans, I feel like, had a lot to do with that. I don't know if people would disagree, but it's got to be hard to focus when you are – Every single time you touch the ball, it is this cascading, deafening boost. So uh, I don't know. But as far as that, I'm expecting KD maybe to take some shots quicker, you know, not take so many dribbles, and maybe, you know, get the ball out of his hands as well a little bit quicker into his teammates' hands, you know, in position to succeed. Yeah, some of the some of the key things I am expecting, and I'm, I'm be looking a lot at uh, Boston's bench, right? We just talked about 30 points off the bench in game two. Going on the road, role players and bench players tend to not play up to as as big of a a stage. So my eyes are going to be on Grant Williams, you know, Derek White, and Peyton Pritchard when they ever get into the game. Um, It's going to be huge for them, you know, for them to see what type of of opportunities they get and also to see how much they produce. Um, I also think I'm waiting for the big Jason Tatum game. And I understand he had like 31 game one. However, I I feel like Jason Tatum hasn't had a bam game. You know, the game that like you're like, holy crap, he's in his zone type situation. I feel like he's he's done a great job of being passive and, and getting his guys involved. But I'm waiting for this game where he explodes for like 35 plus and it only has like six assists because he just really went out there and abused people. Um, I do think that's coming on the rise. And I'm also waiting for the the Jalen Brown, like, he's getting hot. Oh, man, like he's in a zone. Um, those don't last normally the whole game for Jalen Brown, but he does go on stretches where, you know, Bruce Brown had those that nice little 9-0 stretch to open the game against us in game two. Jalen Brown's been known to go on his own stretches himself, and I, I haven't seen one like that just yet. So I'm expecting those guys to get going. Uh, on the net side of things, 
I'm expecting the role players to play well. Um, I, I think Drogic and Drew Bruce Brown are going to play well at home. I think Seth Curry's going to be better than he had been in Boston. And I think their stars will be picked up a little bit as well without that Celtics uh, crowd. Uh, but I do think that the defense is going to be enough. I think the, the we're going to see a lot more adjustments from Boston I, than Brooklyn. And it's going to be a, a gritty, gritty game three. I think there's going to be a lot of whistles called in this one. And the refs are going to kind of get them to calm down early on. Yeah, I think that Jason Tatum thing, Patrick, I also would agree with here. You know, an explosive game from Jason. Uh, his 50-point game last year happened in Brooklyn, did it not? Uh, yes, it did. It did. So maybe power – no, of course. He's probably not going to score 50, but, you know, I would expect him to have a, a, a definitely better 30, score. 35-plus. You know, that 35-plus I think is a good margin. At least a better game than he did last game scoring. You know, like you said earlier in the show, five of sixteen, you know, is not necessarily uh, Jason's best performance, right, by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, a more efficient game. Uh, but I will say, Pat, it's nice to see that Jason doesn't have to score a lot of points for us to still win games. You know, like like you said, double digit assists this game, even though he shot five of sixteen, and uh, you know he was able to get others involved. So yeah. Uh, it's been kind of nice. We don't have to rely on him going for 40, you know, to get a victory. Yeah, so um, we're just trying to see the Celtics try to come away here with a, a third victory. But also another way that you can secure a victory is by heading over to manscaped.com, baby. Make sure you Woo! guys go over there and get that 20% off by using Coopball 20 Get those products over there. Make sure you're looking good and fresh, cleaned up for the summertime, springtime. Weather is starting to warm up a bit. People are starting to have allergies, <coughs> Lucas. Um, but also get the opportunity to just look good in general. But make sure you guys go ahead and head over to manscaped.com. Use that brand Hoopball20 to get that 20% off on your order. Yeah. Uh, I wish we were doing a Benadryl ad, Pat, because my allergies are acting up. But uh, make sure you go on over to Manscaped and use the code HOOPALL20 for 20% off your entire order. And, Pat, I think that about does it for us. You got anything else you want to add? No, man, I, I think that does cover it well, for actually, here. I have, wait, wait, I have one what, you got some other things? Yeah, you got something else? One thing I want to say, Pat, remember the segment we did in the beginning of the year, the vent box? Yes, well, It's probably yes, been did. 40 episodes since we've needed to vent about anything negative. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, the vent box kind of went to the side once the Celtics kind of started rolling. So now we're feeling really good. Yeah, no, I just thought that I was thinking about that the other day. It's just funny. Like things have been going so smoothly. We lost an entire segment off the show. So shout out to the Celtics. That's that's what's going on, man. Maybe we'll bring back the vent box at some point because we can vent about good things. It doesn't always have to be a negative thing, but we do appreciate everybody for stopping by. Make sure you guys go ahead and head over to Apple. Um and go listen to the podcast there. You can also leave a five-star rating and review. Head over to Spotify. Make sure you guys leave that five-star rating there as well. Um, we do appreciate everybody who comes on here on Spotify Live and listens to the show live as we record. Make sure that you guys are just showing love, man. We appreciate it every time we see the love. Share it with your friends, your family. Um, yeah, man, that's all I have left to say. Make sure you follow the show at Twitter at Hootball or at Ethos Celtics. Also follow Lucas at Luca underscore Gainer and me at Ball and Opinions. Yes, sir. Shout out to everybody who likes, you know, subscribes, shows up live to the live shows. Seriously, means a lot to Pat and I, honestly. Uh, like Pat said, share it with your family members. You know, take your grandma's phone, 
Give it a five-star review if you can. Leave some comments. Uh, We appreciate every single one of y'all. All All right, man. Y'all have a good safe one. Hopefully we're talking to you again when the Celtics 3 up. Later. Peace.